Welcome to Off the Rock, On the Record, a podcast by Obsidian Public Relations. In Season 5, we're focusing on all things customer service, from online reviews to in-house management. If you are a business of any type, there's something that you can learn on this season of Off the Rock, On the Record. Welcome to Season 5 of Off the Rock, On the Record. This is Episode 4, and today we're going to be talking about one of the really fun sides of customer service, which I have dubbed customer service with pizzazz. So I've got Marie Lace here, and she works on a number of our entertainment, fun, restaurant-type clients, and so I thought she would be a great person to bring in to talk about how to take your customer service to the next level in terms of interaction and engaging and adding personality to your brand. So thanks for joining us, yeah, Marie. thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about some customer service with Pizzazz. <laughs> so to open things up, let's talk about some examples of what we mean by customer service with Pizzazz. So is there a favorite company that you have that's really impressed you with their customer service and, and what makes what they do stand out? So as of late for me, there have been two. One is Trader Joe's, which is now in Germantown. I think, how long have they been there? Like a year or so? Yeah, about a year. So if you haven't been, I highly recommend it. But um, their staff is so friendly, and not friendly in like a fake way, Mm -hmm. friendly in an authentic way. Like I genuinely think that they care about me as a customer. Yeah. And they ask me questions that aren't just like, how are you? They're like, how's your day been so far? And what are you doing the rest of the day? Which, I mean, some people may think that's kind of intrusive, but I think it's endearing and makes me feel, like, connected to Trader Joe's. Yeah. And their staff is always super willing to help. Like, sometimes I walk around the produce section, and I'm like, I cannot find what I'm looking for. And a guy stopped me one day. He's like, what are you looking for? And it was butternut squash, which is kind of random. And sometimes stores have it, and they, sometimes they don't. Well, they were out at this time, and he's like, let me go check in the back. We may have like some hidden away or I can check to find out when our next shipment's coming in and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, like, thank you so much. And just going above and beyond um, the call of duty and the standard procedure mm-hmm. is pretty, is their standard. So their standard is above everyone else's. Everyone else's standard, yeah. Yeah, and I feel the same way about Nordstrom. And I feel, um, number one, I'm very sad that they don't have a store in Memphis. And so Nordstrom, if you're listening, <laughs> please bring a store to Memphis. But um, in my hometown, we had Nordstrom and they just have the most wonderful customer service. I remember I had a friend who she had two different size feet from the time she was born. And so she really had a hard time shopping at traditional shoe outlets because If you have two different size feet, oftentimes they make you buy two different pairs of shoes. So if your one foot is a size 10 and your other foot's a size 7, that's a significant difference. You can't just kind of try to make it work with a a 9.5. But Nordstrom allowed her to buy two different size shoes, one for her right and one for her left, never um, asked twice about it and just let her do it. And so she said, I will always buy my shoes at Nordstrom because they were so kind to me and they don't care that, um, you know, this is just the situation that I have in my life and they are totally cool with it. So... Um, and the same way you walk in and they're not like salesy people, but they're super nice and willing to help. And, um, I think that that makes an enormous difference. Absolutely. Gosh, that's something I've never thought about. Yeah. And, and it's, it can be hard because if that's your situation, it's, you may feel embarrassed or right, it could be difficult right. to talk through, but they were always super accommodating. Um, and so when we think about this as a, as a layer of customer service, um, I think that what makes it different than just your general, I'll help you out if you've got a problem, 
we're here to help kind of language. I think that going a step beyond is a PR layer of customer service. And so if you're looking to take your customer service plan to the next level, what are some basic PR tactics or strategies that you could incorporate into your customer service plan? I think number one is personalization. If someone feels like you're giving them the same message that you gave Sally and Harry and Bo Mm -hmm. yesterday, they're not going to feel as appreciated and as heard and Mm -hmm. as valued as someone who's going to get a super customized high name. Yes. I'm so sorry that, you know, insert issue that happened um, is going to feel. So I think personalization is definitely number one. You can't seem crass and like you're annoyed that they left this negative review. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people are overdramatic. You know, I will give people who monitor reviews that. So you kind of have to be able to identify whether this is legitimate or if this person is being overly dramatic. But your job is still to be compassionate and empathetic mm-hmm. regardless and lead with kindness no matter what um, and respond promptly too. So mm-hmm. timeliness is huge. If it's been two weeks since that review was left, uh, yeah, like, Still respond, absolutely, but, you know, 48 hours, I would say, 24 if you can do it bandwidth-wise, if you have a team in place, Um, but responding as soon as possible is huge. Absolutely, and I think one of the biggest challenges when you're trying to craft a response and you're trying to show empathy and to personalize your message, one of the biggest challenges for many companies is that you have person A who is in charge of overseeing your customer service plan, and then you have people B through Z who actually execute the plan. And so if you're asking people to bring in empathy and personality and personalization, it can be a challenge to find that right mix of professionalism and personality. So first talk about why it's important to do that and then how to maybe navigate that plan um, in terms of getting your staff on the same page. Right, right. So customer service isn't simply just listening to the customer. Mm -hmm. It's engaging with them and letting them know that someone is hearing them and genuinely cares. Like I was saying earlier, being compassionate and empathetic and and personalizing your message um, is a great way to show them your personality as well as being professional Mm -hmm. and doing your job at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like if you're adding some personality, it makes your customer feel like they're interacting with an actual person and not just a sales robot. And it's a lot easier to do in person because if you're standing in front of somebody, it's super easy to be like, hey, I'm really sorry that that happened. Let me check on that for you. And your body language and your tone, it it tells that story. But if you are on a helpline maybe or if you're in a chat message, it can be really challenging to convey um, that personality. And so I think taking the time to talk people through some strategies on what that looks like um, is important. But I, I think what's hard is it's not my tailor personality. It is the brand's personality um, and your brand's identity. And so how do you recommend that a customer or a business land on their ideal personality for customer support? Right. So I think training is huge um, once you have that person in place. But finding that person, I think you really have to ask yourself, does this person understand, fit into, get our company culture? Are they going to be able to speak verbally and write out or, you know, type out because now we have social media and Yelp Mm -hmm. and Smato and Thrillist, or not Thrillist, excuse me, TripAdvisor, all those things where you can leave reviews now, are they going to be able to craft messaging that aligns with that company culture? Mm -hmm. And to take it a step further, sometimes you're speaking on behalf of the business owner. 
So do they not only understand the company culture, but do they understand the tone of voice that the CEO would use or the head of HR would use, whoever they're responding for? Um, they have to kind of encompass all those tones of voice to convey the message in the right way and to get mm-hmm. your company culture across. Yeah, and I think that it's it's highly dependent upon industry as well. So the personality that you might come up with for a law firm is going to be really different than like an indie candle company. So if you're, and, and that's going to depend upon your audience too. So if you're working with a certain generation or a certain demographic group of people, you want your personality to fit into your customer base because if if it doesn't come across well to them, why are you, why is that the strategy that you're taking? Um, I think a, a great example would be there, there are times where I'm telling my grandmother about an experience that I had with a business and she just cannot even believe that they spoke to me that way or were that personable. And I'm like, Grandma, no, it was cool. It was great. And she's like, not in my day. We would not have done it that way. Um, and so that's that's a valid point is I've got to decide who my business is speaking to so that I can make the right uh, personality, build the right personality for our brand. Right, and respond with the right channel. So this is an example. This was years ago, but my mom filed a complaint with the um, car brand that she was using at the time that should not be named um, and they sent her a letter in the mail a typed letter that was signed by whoever needed to sign it and you would have thought they had sent her a free car yeah. I was like okay you need, you're at like a 10 and need you to come down like a 7 Yeah, this is very nice of them but the problem still remains and they haven't refunded you yet so just hold up um, but understanding the audience that you have are they the type that wants a snail mail letter signed mm-hmm. by whoever um, makes sense for the situation or is a tweet, you know, that's kind of humorous, but plays mm-hmm. to, you know, your company culture and addressing the issue appropriately. Um, that would be like a millennial right. person. I would think that would really appreciate that. Well, as a millennial, I would appreciate that or um, an email too. So just mm-hmm. knowing your demographic and what they prefer. Absolutely. And a lot of what we've been talking about today have been examples of problems and problem solving. But I do think that company culture can be proactive as well. And so one great example, I went to PRSA conference about two years ago in Boston. And one of the presenters was talking about how to differentiate your brand on the front end. And he used a term that he had coined called talk triggers. And it was essentially the premise was, if we do these things and we commit to these practices that are different and unique, we can build a brand identity based around this service. And so one of the examples that he gave was the chocolate chip cookies at Doubletree. And it has never failed that when I hear somebody talk about Doubletree, I was just listening to the radio about a week ago, and somebody mentioned they stayed at a Doubletree, and the co-host on the radio goes, do they still give those chocolate chip cookies? And it's it's synonymous with their brand. And when you book a stay at a double tree, you're driving in your Uber from the airport, you know I check in and I'm gonna get a warm chocolate chip cookie. And so those are kind of things that you can do too as a brand. Explore who's our audience, what would they appreciate on the front end of an interaction with our company? Because that can be some pizzazz that you can add to. Exactly. Exactly. And I will have you know that Doubletree now, now I can't know if this is all of them. They deliver milk with the cookies. I have a friend Ooh. who travels a lot for work, and they brought her milk. <laughs> I was so impressed. Which for me and Taylor, it would have to it be would like not almond milk, yeah. but it would be. It would do be you gesture? Yeah. Do you have oat milk and vegan chocolate chip cookies? That'd be helpful. Um, but I still appreciate it for my fam- family and chocolate chip cookie lovers. So, if you're looking to even start personalizing your customer service practices, do you have three tips that somebody could kind of 
start off with? Absolutely. So become a problem solver and a solution maker, not just a yes man or woman. Mm -hmm. You have to identify the complaint. Is it legit or is it just overly dramatic? And respond appropriately there. So, you know, you're not going to offer everybody the same thing. So you have to be personalized and customize what you're giving them instead of just being a robot. Mm -hmm. So for some people, you may, like if you're a restaurant, you may comp their next meal. For another person, you may say, hey, give me a call so I can learn more about the situation and and talk to them personally one-on-one. But setting a framework, I think, works well. So allow your team to engage genuinely, but give them the guidelines that they need to form the messaging is, is very helpful, I think. So when you're working with that team to set the framework, how can you implement an attitude across the board when maybe your company hasn't emphasized this before and it's new to everyone? I think putting the customer first is key. A customer-centric approach always works well. They're who should be your top priority always. Mm -hmm. Um, And these expectations should be set at hiring. Like I said earlier, when you were talking about identifying uh, a personality who fits your company culture, your frontline, who's going to be responding on your behalf, your frontline staff who's interacting with those customers who ultimately leave the positive or negative reviews should also be in line with your company culture. Maybe not to the extent that the um, review responder needs to have, but Mm -hmm. they need to be up to date on what's expected of them and how they should interact with customers. And an example that everybody's familiar with is Chick-fil-A mm-hmm. um, and how they interact with their customers that come through the drive through or order at the counter. It's it's always the same. You know what you're going to get. Um, always pleasant, always kind. So props to Chick-fil-A. Yeah. I think I'll, I'll close with one of my favorite examples of like true pizzazz in customer service. So there are your brands that are synonymous with making people's day. You think Walt Disney World, you know, those kind of places. But one... Um, And this is a high-end place, and so it goes without saying that they have a little bit of a bigger operating budget. Um, But there was a little boy who left his stuffed animal at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel, and he was devastated. It was, I can't remember, it was the little bunny or some sort of stuffed animal. And so mom called the Ritz-Carlton and was like, my son left his stuffed animal, and they're like, we've got it. And not only did they send the stuffed animal back, but they sent the stuffed animal back with a collage of photos to tell the little boy that his bunny had just needed to enjoy a few extra days of vacation. And this employer employee had taken the bunny around and sat him by the pool with the daiquiri, taken him to the spa and put a little towel on him and had made it look like the bunny just needed a few extra days at the Ritz and he's coming home refreshed and, and ready to go. So That bunny needed a drink. <laughs> he did. And... Um, he had a lot of travel ahead of him. So it just it made the world of difference for that family. And um, another example that I see pretty often is um, Chewy.com. And they have done some really wonderful things for people who have auto-renew dog food orders. So um, every, say, six weeks, my bag of dog food comes from Chewy. And then when the dog passes away, you may forget to turn off your auto ship. And so they send you a new bag of dog food. And so when Chewy, when you reach out to Chewy and let them know that your dog's passed away, they take back the food, they donate it to an animal shelter, and they send you a thing of flowers apologizing for your loss. And I just think that so many people post that stuff on Facebook, and it just is that extra step to be helpful and courteous and show some pizzazz in the work you do. So 
if you're a business out there, look for these opportunities and try to create your own. Um, so thanks for joining me, Murray. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun. And thanks for joining us for season five of Off the Rock on the Record. We've got one more episode this season, and I hope that you will join us for it. If you want to leave us a review, feel free to do so on Apple Podcasts. And if you have any ideas, you can reach out to us on our website or you can leave a comment on our SoundCloud page. So we'll see you next episode.